What's up, crew? This is Josh Taylor, and you're listening to the Not Craft Podcast. On this episode, episode number four, we've got Jared Arandu, which I'm super excited about. I was really excited about our conversation, and Jared did not let down. He's got some good stuff to say, some good stuff to share. So I'm really pumped for you to get to listen to that. You know, if you don't know Jared, he's been uh, building a team and leading that team at a place called Lattice. And previously, he was at Teespring, and he's been at a handful of other startups. And in fact, works with Greylock, who's a VC firm. And he works with a lot of their portfolio companies to help them know how they should think about and incorporate design into their companies. So, you know, he's been writing about and uh, even blogging about and podcasting about design for a while. So uh, he, he actually has a podcast not too long ago called High Resolution. It was a video podcast. If you hadn't checked that out, you should check that out. They've got some really great episodes. Um, but he's been doing this for a long time, even since he was in high school. So this is something that's in his blood. And I think you'll you'll get some of that as he has some of these lessons that he shares out. Uh, you know, I've, one of the things I was most pumped about to talk with Jared is he actually has another project that he's working on called Playbook. You can see it at askplaybook.com. Um, and Playbook is what they say is, uh, is actionable career advice for designers. And it's really, really, really in line with exactly what we're trying to do here. It's all of the different conversations that you can't find anywhere else. And so it's full of people asking really tough questions that aren't about the hard skills of design. And it's about all of that little stuff that's really hard to get from other people. And they've got some answers that really go into depth. So I knew that Jared would have some good stuff to say about the soft skills of design. And I'm excited to share that with you. But before we jump in with Jared, it's shameless self-promo time. One of the fun things about getting to do this podcast without any sponsors is that I get to prop whatever I want to prop. So, you know, one of the fun things for me is after talking to every single person on our show, I normally ask them if they have jobs that they're hiring for. I know that's an important thing for a lot of you that are looking to find new people, get connected with new people, see what opportunities are out there. Um, so I always ask them if they're hiring and where you might be able to find some jobs. I lead a design team at Credit Karma, which is a pretty fun space to be working in fintech. And we, we work in a ton of different sectors in fintech. And in the current state of the U.S. economy, we see that it's just a huge majority of people are kind of sitting in a financial place that is actually not very helpful. And that's the exact people that we're building products for. So I'm looking to add some more people to our team, actually quite a few. And so if you're interested, um, we are hiring for people all the way from uh, experienced design managers down to really junior, kind of getting your toe in the water. And we'd love to talk with you. So uh, you can find me on Twitter, Joshua and Taylor on Twitter, or you can shoot me an email or something like that. We'd love to hear from you and maybe get a chance to work with you. I think that'd be really exciting. Uh, without any further ado, though, let's go ahead and jump straight into talking with Jared. Well, let's jump right in, man, from all that experience and working with other people and building teams with other designers and through Playbook. Obviously, you've, you've learned a lot and you got a lot to share about things that make designers successful. What type of lessons do you have that you can pass on? Sure. So it's interesting. I feel like if you ask me this question every single day, I'll give you a different answer because it's what's top of mind. <laughs> new podcast yeah. idea. I ask you this yeah. question every day. You yeah, give a new you, answer. It's like a text prompt. <laughs> and if it's interesting, you call me and we talk about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So two top of mind today. One is on perception versus reality. 
and the other mm. one is on friends versus uh, acquaintances. So I have like two versus things. Okay, cool. So starting with perception versus reality, this is something I learned very early in my career because for a long time I interfaced with people online versus like in person. And what I basically realized is how people perceive you is their reality. Um, it's tricky, but it's very important to understand because when you are trying to operate in any capacity, whether it's within a company, as a leader, as an IC, what, whatever it is, if you don't know how the people around you perceive you or your work, it's going to be very hard to push any agenda that you might have, right? Mm. And it's actually very easy to get a baseline as far as your perception. And the easiest step one is just to ask, right? So I remember like in my first like contract, which was like at Omada Health here in San Francisco, amazing team, amazing company. I think they're hiring. So if you if you're looking for a job, they want you. Nice. You know, I, I was working with a lot of like ex-IDO people. Amada Health came out of IDO. And I was working with a lot of people much older than me. This was my first like full-on contract job. I was like 17 or 18. And I didn't learn this mm. lesson yet. So it was very, you know, again, coming from being used to working in a room and not seeing other people, I was just doing my work and I expected that how I saw things, if I showed up at work at this time or I did this or I did that, everyone just knew. Right. Right. But they wouldn't know unless I told them or I made that visible to them. Right. right? And this was this covered everything from my process, um, how I arrived at a design solution, how I iterated, who I spoke to. Like if if you didn't see it and you didn't believe it was happening, then in your eyes, it was not happening. Right. Mm. And um, when I would erase something, if if I was expecting the other person to have known some piece of information and they didn't, um, I would get aggravated. Right. Because it's like, wait, how don't you get why don't you get this? Or like, why isn't this being pushed through? Right. And when I started to realize that, like, it, you know, there was no animosity. It wasn't anything against me. It was just like their perception, which is their reality, was different than mine. There was no amount of conversation that we'd have for us to see eye to eye. Right. Um, and when I say they, I'm not talking about the company at large, just individual people I worked with. Right. right. I remember talking to someone about this and her advice to me was like, well, ask them, like, what do you think I do? Right. Like, you know. Do you think there was research done here? Do you think something happened here? Do you think I did this, et cetera? Mm. And I did that. I went around and just asked the close peers that I worked with. And I realized like they were honest. They were like, oh, well, I didn't see that. So I thought that didn't happen. Or like, I know I've, I've heard that you do this, but I, I haven't seen that. Or like, you know, I, I didn't see the past iterations to your work. So I don't know how many times you went around before you arrived at the solution. And I realized, okay, like if they don't see it, then how can I expect them to know? Right. right? And that's something that I really took away um, from that first job which was like, you know, it's it's good to actually have conversations with your team members, the people who you work with, understand how they see you and how they see your work, and then get a sense of, you know, measure that delta between what is true and what they perceive, and then figure out ways to close that. And funny enough, I actually answered a question like this on Playbook, and some of the action items I gave was one, to get more sleep, because it's actually very hard to do any of these things if you're just operating on like half capacity, uh -huh. right? Um, a very simple way to improve your perception is like showing up to meetings five minutes early, right? Mm -hmm. Another one is always doing what you say you'll do. And this is actually very hard for a lot of people. And I think the biggest pain point is that we overcommit to things. Right. So just commit to less things, right? Right. And make your process and your work transparent, right? Like um, our CEO at Lattice always says, like, share until it hurts, because at that point, it's not even enough, right? Take coworkers out for a walk, like have deep conversations that's a little bit, uh, you know, aside from the work that's being done and just more about like how you all are collaborating together, right? And finally, make the people around you feel smart. And I think these things, obviously, there are many other things that you can do, but right. these things I feel are steps towards improving your perception. Um, and once that's there, you have like a strong base to like create change, no matter what kind of change that is.
Man, that's that's good. You I, <laughs> that's so good. You had that like I love the action the action items there. And I, I think that like that that idea that that how people see you is is so critical to your success and to to how th- how projects actually go is is massive. And it also I think infers that like some sense that I think a lot of designers are actually I, I guess they vary a little bit, but this idea that you got to sell yourself a tiny bit it is I I think uncomfortable for some people and i think that the way you framed it though is much better than than like feeling like you're selling yourself you just like it's communicating your work and if you're doing something on your computer and people can't see it then it doesn't matter yeah that's yeah. uh i think really helpful it's helpful for me i i, I definitely fall into the category of of knowing that i should be quote unquote selling my work a little bit more and this is a, i think a really good reframing that's awesome yeah and and the thing is with selling right like the reason why I say perception and reality is so take, for example, maybe the perception is this person does not iterate on their work, right? Mm-hmm. There are many ways to clear up that perception, right? One right. of which is like oversharing your screenshots and Slack, but there are actually many other ways, right? Like you can have a conversation, set the expectation that you do in fact do that. And if there's yeah. trust there, you're done, right? You don't actually right. need to. I'm not saying to do that, but the, the point is that like, you know, once you know what the Delta is, the next step is figuring out how you can close that. And there are many ways to do that. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so uh, just to circle back real quickly, you, you said that you went around and just asked those people face to face, like, Hey, how am I doing? What's your perception? What, am, what can I do better? That type of thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. And like we actually, you know, we do this at Lattice for the whole design team um, once, once every half. Right. So um, we have a survey and I actually got this idea from my friend Malta who runs design at Stripe. You know, he mentioned that he started doing this, I think back at RDO um, where he led product and design. And um, the whole goal is just create a simple survey that asks questions like how much visibility do you have into the design team's roadmap? How well does the design team prioritize work? Like, do you understand how design prioritizes work? Like how often is the design team responsive no matter whether or not they actually get to do the thing that you're asking them for, right? And it's just a series of questions and you send this out um, to your company and you allow them to respond anonymously, right? You circle the team up and you look at the actual results. It's like, hey, everyone, like this is what we think we are, we're doing and where we think we are, um, but this is actually how the company perceives us, right? Of all these things that we can improve, what's most important for us to improve over the next two quarters? And um, what action items do we actually want to like um, commit to? And then let's make that public to the company to hold ourselves accountable and then do them. Right. Um, but it's mm-hmm. that same exercise. Like as companies are growing, you focus less and less on the company and you focus more on your org, then your department and then your team and then yourself. And then when you get to that point, you, you know, a lot of chaos is going to happen if you don't actually look up and ask. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. There's kind of the, the exact same thing. If you, if you just go and say, Hey, how am I doing? When you ask me to do something, do you feel like I respond? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, afraid to know the answer to some of those, but I, <laughs> you, I, I need to, right. Yeah. Those are, that's super interesting. Cool, man. Wait. So, so that's awesome. What's chapter two. So friends, acquaintance, this, this yeah. one's interesting because it almost has nothing to do with design work. It's just life itself. Um, mm. But when I moved to San Francisco, something I definitely noticed here was everyone is everyone's friend. Mm. Like n- no one, ref- there's no, there, there technically are words in the dictionary to define people who you just have like some affinity or like relationship with, but it's not a friendship, but we don't right. use them. We just call everyone a friend. But I actually think that it does something, the deepest parts of our brain that sets expectations up for people that are unrealistic. 
right? Mm. Um, chief among them is like, you know, remembering my birthday, right? There are people, I have many, say, friends on Facebook, <laughs> but I'd say that probably 4% of them, I can tell you their birthday without a Facebook notification, right? I think those people are actually my friends and the rest are people who I like, right? Like that I have an acquaintanceship with. Right. And, you know, this is something that my, my parents actually instilled in me when I was young. Like this, like my mom was like, look, if you know, if you know who your friends are and you know what to expect of them, like in a sense, like you won't, you'll get let down less. Right. And what she was trying to communicate is like, if you just expect this of, of any person, if you, sorry, if you expect a set of things from any person who you like, you know, like, then you're going to get let down often because you're like, oh, I, I thought that you would do this for me or, or whatever it is. In reality, it's because like you and that person are not on that level of relationship, right? Um, you're not close enough to you. Yeah, exactly. So I remember like having a conversation with a friend and he's like, yeah, like, you know, like my friends, like, I don't think like any of my friends would like um, be there if like X, Y, or Z happened. And then I said like, okay, is it that you have bad friends or that you are misidentifying these people as friends in the first place? Right. Mm-hmm. And if it's the latter, I think there should be some like expectation resetting, right? Like maybe this person's actually an acquaintance. Maybe this person's a friend and maybe this other person is a close friend. And I think that like in San Francisco, it's, 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 you know, amplified because a lot, you know, networking is very, very important in this city um, to the point that right. sometimes it feels like a little like, like nasty, right? Like, ah, uh, like, do I really have to do this? Do I have to go to this event? Do I have to pretend to like this person? All this different kind of stuff, right? <laughs> I think that if you don't actually take a step back and realize like, okay, like who are actually the people who are close and dear to me, then you can get yourself caught up in this trap where everyone is a friend and everyone lets you down. So, you know, yeah, this is like a deeper conversation and I'm trying to like communicate the thinking here like very succinctly, but like for me, like it's been, it's an exercise that I constantly do. Like I'm revisiting the people who I consider close to me and I'm making sure that they are in fact close to me and I am close to them. Right. And when that happens, I just feel lighter. Like, okay, like, yeah, I know you, we're not friends. That doesn't mean I don't like you. Right. It just means that right. I have a different level of expectations from our relationship. Oh man. Uh, this is so good. Uh, so question for you. I, I mean, I, I feel like my perception has been in, in design community. Often we have a, like, you meet somebody new and it's, it's purely a professional relationship, but we have this like allergy to, you know, terms like networking or um, just even the kind of the concept that I'm at an event to network. And so people like really don't want to admit that this is a non-friend relationship. Like it's a professional relationship, but it feels like in our design community in particular, everybody's like, so wanting, like everybody you're supposed to work with, you're supposed to be like friends with, you work with people that you love and like it, it kind of almost says that everybody is supposed to be your friend and it kind of feels like our our community in particular is like saying that everybody is supposed to be friend zone and almost like if you're in the purely relationship zone it's transactional which is like less less valuable i've felt that a lot and it's always been a little bit a little bit difficult cuz i'm like yeah I, I just like we're an acquaintance we are professionally aligned. I really like you. You're really great people, but we're not going to like go hang out. Yeah. yeah, And that's okay. Right. That's completely right. fine. I feel like, you know, social media kind of like amplified this too. Like you look at the average person's number of friend count on Facebook and it's like the, even like on that site, like the word friend, right? Like right. 
it's weird to have less than 100, but Dunbar's number suggests that you can't keep more than 150 relationships, right? Right. Yet you still see, I, I have, like I have like over a thousand on Facebook, but like the majority of them are not actually my friends, right? Right. Um, and I'm sure some of them are hearing this right now. And again, like, right, like it's not like, oh, I don't like you. It's like, if, if we're being honest, do you know my birthday? So, right. Man, that's, that's, it's really interesting. And I think that the way I've thought about this in the past is, is really kind of in concentric circles and like at the, at the middle, like there's really only like literally one or two people for most people, um, like the very, very best. And like some people that's their spouse or, or, or partner or something like that. And then outside of that, maybe, I don't know, five, 10. And then outside of that, maybe there's like 50 people outside of that that are, you know, pretty good friends, but not necessarily people that you share every detail yeah. with. And then, you know, like, so that as those rings grow, like the relationship changes a little bit. And I think like, it's, it's also important for different people to know what their capacity is for and what their need is. Like some people, like they can maintain really close friendships with 15 people. Yeah. I can't, I just, that's not how I operate. And I think, you know, I have like a couple close people for me it's my family and then like in a ring outside of that there's close people that are not as close as my family obviously (laughs) man that's really good uh it's really important i think and it's good for me to hear kind of as far as how to how to operate inside of design community slash just community in general cool man awesome anything for designers that you would kind of throw out as a a warning or something they shouldn't do (laughs) (laughs) i mean there's probably a few something something i've noticed especially like on Twitter or design Twitter, or whatever, whatever we're calling it nowadays is um, <laughs> I see threads and conversations occasionally that feel very like they, they just look like mini wars. Hmm. And sometimes I read the full thread and I ask myself like, what was, what was the goal of both parties or whatever number of party number of people were involved in the conversation? Like what was their goal going into that? Right. Was it to, educate was it to share new perspective was it to foster deeper communication or thought or was it to attack was it to label um was it to shame right Mm -hmm. and i think what for all the benefits that social media has given us as a society one of the things that's um amplified in us is this ability to um to shame or hurt other people without any obvious ramifications to ourselves, right so, for example, mm-hmm. if I'm in a room with you, there are ways that I will, there, there's a certain way that I would talk to you, right? But if I now right. interact with you on Twitter, theoretically, I could now say a set of things and not fear being punched in the face, right? Or, or yelled at or had a drink thrown at me because you're too far away, right? And if I don't know you, there's a higher likelihood, I'm not saying me specifically, but like um, in, in a general sense, that, I'm, that that behavior might actually come from one of us. Right. And I see this a lot and I'm focusing on the design community and, you know, what we were just talking about where like, there's this idea of like us being friends and helping each other. I completely buy into that because I feel like in order for design to um, continue to evolve as a field of work and for us to really realize the full potential we can have on businesses um, and the next generation of technology, we have to work together as a community and and grow and and share knowledge. Right. But if we're doing it in this like, kind of like stingy, like, ulterior motive like self-promotion-y way it's not nothing's ever going to happen so as far as like if we're talking about like actionable things that i'd love to see the community stop doing 
One is jump into conclusion in threads, right? I actually see people respond to threads mm-hmm. before they even read the whole thing and they're operating on an absence of right. context. And then the person comes back later and said, well, I try to say this and they're like, all right, whatever, right? Not jumping, not jumping in too quickly or jumping to conclusion, making sure you understand the full context. Like I remember something my, my brother always used to do when I was a kid. Anytime I asked him a question, he would respond with a question. And it used to irritate me. Tell me like, you know, like I need the full picture if you actually want to get my full clear thought. Right. And I don't see that often. I don't see many questions. I just see like blanket statements that are oftentimes hurtful and then they get retweeted and then everyone's like, yeah, like, you know, tell them or whatever. And then like, it's a war, a meaningless war. Right. And what Mm. has happened, the person who was wronged or the person who had the bad perspective or whatnot to begin with is further alienated, probably just like solidifies the thought that they had before. And like they are now they exit the conversation and we've kind of like in a, in, in a sense lost that person. Right. Which is not the goal. Right. So understanding the context, treating people online the way that you treat them in person. Right. That's actually a very simple one. Like if you're about to hit send, like just read that thing out to yourself and ask yourself, would you actually want that written or said to you in, in, in person? And if not, I shouldn't be saying it to someone else. Right. Right. And like this the I, I mentioned blanket statements a little bit, but like I see this a lot where like someone will tweet like, you know, designers like do this. Right. And it's like. Is this. How is this supposed to be helpful? Right. Like, why should I do this? Right. Is is it every designer or are we talking specifically about like digital product designers? Is this a San Francisco thing? Is this a universal thing? There are a lot of tweets that come out of San Francisco that actually only ever make sense in San Francisco. Right. So, you know, like when we were talking about like design advice and all that stuff, like really, really, you know, set the context that what you're suggesting is, in fact, a suggestion that there are many other ways to do it and share a little bit of your context so that the person who's receiving it can understand whether or not it applies to them. Right. And yes, like, you know, one can argue that's very hard to do in 280 characters. If you can't do it in a thread, maybe it shouldn't be a tweet. Maybe it should be a, a blog post. Right. So that you can actually fully communicate your thought, because what's the point of throwing out these little like one liner nuggets? If um, like no one actually gets it. Right. Yeah. So this is, you know, all three or four of those things, those uh, small points I made, like all bubble up to like how we actually operate as a community. And I would love to see us improve that a bit more. And part of my contribution to that is, in fact, playbook. And there are a lot of things that we can continue doing there as well. But, you know, when I look at fields like engineering or like even science, like the idea of sharing work and building on top of each, of each other's ideas are like just like inherently part of their identity, right? And when I look at design, that's still kind of right. missing. Like I still see the occasional tweet of someone screenshotting a bunch of homepages and saying, oh my God, like what's wrong with us, right? And it's like, is that is that actually a problem? Or, you know, is it the most important problem that we should be solving right now, right? So, man, uh, that's super good. I, the, the, the part that really jumps out to me there is that, that idea of context. And, and it's, I think that's the one thing that, that personally I miss, from Twitter is somebody says something. I'm like, Oh, that's either interesting yeah. or not interesting. And I'm not quite sure if it's which one it is. Cause I don't know what context you're saying that from at all. Um, in the context of, like you said, maybe it's San Francisco, maybe it's a personal background. Maybe it's the client that you're working with. You know, who knows what it, what the context might be, but that without that context, it's, it's, it's impossible for us to get into these like wars. Yeah. And yeah. yet we do. Cool, man. Uh, look, Jared, I feel like I I got to go back and listen to this myself. <laughs> There's so much good stuff in here. And I, I think that, that literally I'm going to go back and figure a, a couple of these things and how to how to wrap them back into some of my work, how I manage some of the teams. I think uh, a few things in there were super 
super salient for me. So that's awesome. I hope everybody else is also can can find it. I hope so too. Really useful. I feel like I rambled, but uh, hopefully it's helpful. <laughs> no, no, this is like these are these are spot on, man. I love it. What uh, if if people are? I always like to open up an opportunity for anybody that's listening that might be interested in trying to get a new job or things like that. Um, are you currently hiring, or do you know some places where people might be able to find a job? Sure. So I am. I will be hiring um, in a couple months. Okay. Um, but I always love having conversations with people looking for new opportunities. So yes, I'm definitely open to those conversations and. Greylock has a bunch of portfolio companies who are also looking for amazing, talented designers. So just literally anyone who's looking, like, feel free to reach out. Awesome. And wh- where do they reach out? What's the best way to reach out and best way to follow you? So my, I'm on Twitter. My handle is my last name, Arondu, E-R-O-N-D-U. And um, my DMs on Twitter are, are like open to anyone. So anyone can reach me there or via email. And my email is just my first name at my last name.com. Arondu at Arondu. Oh no, Jared at Arondu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jared at Arondu. I'm bad at I'm bad at uh, first and last. <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show, and this is exciting. Of course, yeah, this is awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, for sure. All right. So that was the show with Jared. I was pretty pumped on that. I hope you enjoyed it. Please, please, please let me know some feedback. You can always do that on Twitter at Notcraft Podcast. Uh, or just me directly at Joshua and Taylor. And while you're there, you should for sure follow Jared at, at Erondu. That's E-R-O-N-D-U. Uh, he's a fun guy to follow. And as always, you don't forget that you can support the show financially by joining us on Patreon. So that's patreon.com slash notcraftpodcast. I hope you're finding all of this helpful. If there's anything else you want to hear offered these shows, I'd love to hear how you want to be consuming that. If there's a new format, if there's other questions you want to hear, different people you want to talk to, please, please, please reach out. Uh, I think it would be really fun to hear you. All right, we'll catch you next time.